0: You are tuning in to Amazing Discoveries in Bible Prophecy. Join us for this weekly thought-provoking Bible prophecy series that gives hope in the midst of a troubled world. Discover how prophecy provides meaning, purpose, and life-changing truths that is guaranteed to transform your life. This is a pre-recorded, interactive Bible study, and we welcome you to join in and listen in. Okay, so you all should have received a study guide entitled A Jar of Oil, and the study guide begins with a story straight out of the Bible, it's a story of Elisha, and Elisha was approached by a woman, and she was in very dire uh, s- situations when she approached him. She was owing a lot of debt that her husband her late husband accrued over many years or so to the point that she didn't have money to pay the debt and the creditors were saying that we are going to take your sons and sell them so that you can pay off your debt if you do not pay this debt by a certain period of time
1: what what uh, book is that in
0: that's in second Kings chapter four. Second Kings chapter four. And so this woman in desperation approaches Elisha and she asks Elisha, what am I going to do? These creditors are going to confiscate my children. They're going to, and I'm not going to have my children anymore. I have nothing to pay this enormous debt with. And so Elisha says, what do you have in your house? And she says, I don't have anything. All I have is a jar of oil. And Elisha says, take that jar, go and borrow as many empty vessels as possible from all your neighbors, bring them into your house, shut the door and pour that jar of oil into all those bottles. And she did exactly what the prophet told her and she poured the oil as they got those empty containers. And as they were pouring the oil, the oil never ran out. She was able to pour one container after another container after another container until all the containers that they borrowed were filled. And it was enough. And and now the woman, she was thrilled because this was a miracle that her and her sons just witnessed. And she comes to Elisha and says, What do we do now? And he says, Go and sell what you have and keep the surplus for yourself. And so the woman was able to pay off her debt with that miracle of the jar of oil. You know, that uh, ruthless creditor is like Satan, who wants you to be enslaved. But we see that in the last days, God is going to bring a miracle of the oil that's gonna fill our cup to overflowing with his special oil. And so what is that oil? We're gonna take a look in the Bible. What is symbolized by a vessel and oil? Those two things that are being mentioned here um, are actually symbolic of something that uh, the Bible brings brings out. Acts chapter nine, verse 15. And uh, we're gonna take a look at this. First of all, we're gonna see what does a vessel represent in the Bible? And so Acts chapter 9, verse 15. And we will have Olga read this for us.
1: <laughs> okay, just a second. <laughs> okay. Did I catch you off
0: guard? <laughs>
1: uh, I've got it. Okay, okay. good.
0: Acts chapter f- 9, verse 15.
1: But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear his name before Gentiles, kings, kings and the children of Israel.
0: Okay, so we know that this passage, this verse is referring to Saul of Tarsus, who later became known as Paul. But we see that this is the time where, of course, Saul was on the Damascus road. He saw Jesus and then he was stricken blind. And uh, this is where the Lord will speak to Anani- Ananias, who was sent to seek after Paul or Saul at the time and he says go thy way for he is my chosen vessel so a vessel in the Bible is described as a person we are vessels for the Lord uh, we also see this in second uh, Corinthians 4 uh, 6 and seven um, and other verses throughout the Bible so in Jeremiah 18 1 through 6 and Romans chapter 9 verse 20 and twenty one uh, these are some of many verses that tell us that we are vessels, um, which makes sense because God is the potter and we are the clay vessels that he, he, um, he makes. And let's take a look at first Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, first Samuel 16, 13. And we'll have Jeff read this for us. Uh, what does the oil represent? Now we know the vessel represents us it uh, re- represents a a living soul and what does the oil uh, represent that the vessel All right. still... Then Samuel took the horn of
2: oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the whole and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward so Samuel arose and went to mm mm-hmm.
0: Mhm very good thank you so we see that oil is used throughout the Bible as a symbol of God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. And pure olive oil was used to, for many uses. It was used for uh, keeping lamps burning. Um, it was the fuel that kept that flame going. Um, it was also used um, in food and in other, um, it, was, it was just a commonly used oil that, that is represented and illustrating the, the Holy Spirit. That illuminates our wasn't minds. It
1: usually, wasn't it usually olive oil?
0: Yes. Usually it was typically olive oil. oil. That was the commonly used oil at the time. Uh, and um, it is God's desire, as we as living vessels, that God, God's desire to fill all his people with the oil of his Holy Spirit. And so he wants us all to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All of us has been created by God a specific purpose but we all despite what kind of vessel he makes us into we all need to receive the holy spirit that is what we need and that is what we are made to be filled with joel chapter 2 verse 28 says that in the last days god's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh and uh, sons and daughters will prophesy old men will dream dreams and others will have visions and you see in that In that uh, verse in Joel chapter 2, it talks about how the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out in great manifestation in the last days. And so that is yet to happen. This is known as the latter rain. The latter rain outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Spirit that has never happened ever before. It's going to be very similar to what happened in Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles in the upper room. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later too as well. But today, our focus is on the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that have uh, different ideas of what the Holy Spirit is or who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, Some people think that the Holy Spirit is, um, you know, just an impersonal force, or they think that the Holy Spirit is not uh, part of the Trinity. Um, But we want to get this straight from the Bible and we want to see what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, because the Bible gives us enough information that we can go by to know what is the role of the Holy Spirit and who is the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4 is where we're going to go. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. Uh, let's take a look at and see what does Peter say about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have uh, Roger read this for us. Uh, Acts 5, 3, and 4.
3: Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal what made you think of doing such a thing you have not lied to men but to god
0: Hmm. notice what the text in verse 3 that roger just read said it says why hath satan filled Thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. So can the Holy Ghost be lied to? Yes or no? Yes, Yes, the Holy Spirit can be lied to according to what Peter says. But also, if you look at verse 4, at the end of verse 4, it says, Thou hast not lied to men, but unto who? God. 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 So notice Mm -hmm. Peter is saying, You have lied to God, or you have lied to the Holy Spirit. And he says that you have lied to God. So in other words, is the Holy Spirit God? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Peter's speaking of the one and the same, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You can lie to the Holy Spirit. He says, you you have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. So the Holy Spirit is God. God. So very clearly, the apostle Peter declared that lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God. And so furthermore, Jesus even said when he Uh, uh, gave us the commission to baptize people. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, right? So we see that the, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead and is fully equal with the Father and the Son. And the Bible also states that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Not only can we lie to the Holy Spirit, but we can grieve the Holy Spirit, which means that the Holy Spirit has emotions, So the Holy Spirit is not this inanimate force. Uh, He is a person. In fact, a third person of the Godhead. And he has emotions. And he is not simply an impersonal force. Even Jesus said when he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, he always referred to him as he. He used that pronoun. He didn't say it. He said he. Right? He says when he, the spirit of truth, will come, he will guide you into all truth. And I'll send you a comforter. And he will... And so he constantly uses that pronoun, he, which denotes a person, not an an inanimate object or a force or or what many people tend to say, but he is a person, uh, the third person of the Godhead. So let's take a look at what is the primary work of the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? What is his function? What is he meant to do? And we're going to take a look at John chapter 16, verse 13. And it's really good that we uh, revisit this because believe it or not, friends, um, there are people that are called anti-Trinitarians today who are completely undermining what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. And they're coming up with their own ideas of what the Holy Spirit is and, and what the Holy Spirit does and... Um, we really need to know what the Bible says about this in order to um, face those sort of um, false teachings. But John chapter 16, verse 13, uh, it talks about what is the work of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to take a look at John 16, 13. Um, I'm going to ask Walt um, if you could read this for us. John Sure. 16, 13.
4: Um this is all in red, so it's spirit speaking.
0: That's right, Jesus speaking. Says,
4: says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but notice how many times Jesus, in this passage alone, says he... He says it mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five, six times. <laughs> mm-hmm. He refers to the Holy Spirit as he. He says, when he, the spirit of truth will come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. Himself is another one. So that's seven. But who's whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you all things to come. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if Jesus keeps saying he, there's an emphasis there. The Holy Spirit is a person. And look at all the things that he's going to be doing. He's going to guide us into all truth. He speaks what he hears. He'll show us all things. So the Holy Spirit's a very important um, in in the Christian life because the Holy Spirit does all these functions for our benefit, Right? To guide us into all truth. To help us to know what God uh, wants us to know. Um, All these things and more. Uh, so we're going to take a look at what more the Holy Spirit does. what other work does the Holy Spirit uh, get involved in uh, two chapters back John chapter fourteen verse twenty six and uh, I know that we got some people that just joined in um, but uh, we will get you guys in the rotation of reading here uh, but John chapter six i'm sorry fourteen verse twenty six uh, again looking into What further work does the Holy Spirit do? And uh, Sherry, would you mind reading that for us? John 14, 26.
5: Sure. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you.
0: That's right. Thank you. So we see that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things, but furthermore, This is really reassuring. It says that the Holy Spirit will bring to mind the things that we need to remember. Uh, Jesus said that in the last days, some of us may be taken, um, arrested, and brought before officials and brought before um, people in power. And uh, he says, do not worry about what you have to say. The Holy Spirit will bring to mind what you need to say at that time. And so what reassurance we had that the Holy Spirit will be there to help us and to give us the words to speak and to bring things to remembrance. Now the word remembrance means that you remember only as you have read God's word and put God's word in your mind. (laughs) He cannot help you remember things that you did not read, right? So very important for us to prepare for that time to study the word of God, be ready to give an answer uh, for the hope uh, that is in us. And so Jesus promised to be with us always. And it's always through the person of the Holy Spirit that He is with us. You know, when Jesus became human, um, and He became incarnate, uh, there is a limitation that He He had after that. Not to say that He's lesser of God; He is fully God. But uh, when He became one like us, when He uh, became human, um, He's now limited to one place, like us. You know, I cannot be at two places at once or multiple places at at the same time. But the Holy Spirit, that's why the Holy Spirit, that's why Jesus says, it is is expedient for me to go away. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit cannot come to you. Because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once. The Holy Spirit can be simultaneously working in the lives of people's uh, hearts at the same time in different locations. And he's not limited to time or space. And so um, that's, that's really reassuring that the Holy Spirit is always available to us and is always with us as Jesus promised. And so now let's take a look at um, a very serious question. There's, there's a sin that cannot be forgiven. You've probably all heard about this, the unpardonable sin. And uh, what is the unpardonable sin? Uh, We really want to know this because we don't want to be uh, charged with committing the unpardonable sin or the sin that cannot be forgiven. Uh, But let's take a look at what the Bible says is the unpardonable sin or the sin that cannot be forgiven. And how does this connect to the Holy Spirit? How does this relate to the Holy Spirit? Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 32. Let's take a look there. Matthew 12, verse 32. And we're going to go back to Olga. And uh, I know Becky's with us, but Becky, I don't know if she's uh, available to read. But Becky, if you're available to read, just give me a thumbs up if you are able to. Okay. But in the meantime, we'll have Olga read this for us. Uh, Matthew. Matthew.
1: Matthew 12, verse 32. Yes. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come.
0: Wow, that sounds pretty serious, right? Mm-hmm. It says if you sin against the Son, you'll be forgiven, but if you sin against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Oh, wow, that's a, that's a very emphatic statement there, right? Um, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. What is that? How can we blaspheme the Holy Ghost? I think it's one thing when people curse Using Jesus's name in vain, um, I, I used to think that it was like, you know, oh, if you use the Holy Spirit's name in vain, right? Um, attaching the word holy to another common word or a swear word, I thought, oh, that's that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and and it may very well be so. We've got to be careful what we say, but uh, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost that Jesus is referring to is referring not to a single offense a single sin, but get this, this is what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, the unpardonable sin is. It is a progressive resistance to the truth that that God reveals to you where you persistently resist, you persistently reject it, you reject God's will for your life as the Holy Spirit brings it to you. Um, What happens when you continue to do that? When you continue to repeat an action, what does it become? What does it become? When you repeat an action over and over again, it becomes a what? Habit.
1: A it habit. becomes a habit. a habit.
0: That's right. It becomes a mm-hmm. habit. And when you continue to do that, um, your conscience, which, uh, which the Holy Spirit s- s- speaks through, is your conscience, is seared. You become less impressionable. You've built a callous. you built a resistance against the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And when you do that repeatedly over and over again, um, to the point that it gets to the point where you will no longer hear the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit will be grieved away, the Bible says. And so therefore, this is the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is a sin that we do not confess. It's a sin that we do not give up. And a sin that is left unconfessed is going to be the unpardonable sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? What the unpardonable sin is? The unpardonable sin is whenever the Holy Spirit brings it to mind, but you reject it. You continue to reject it. You don't confess it. And the sin that you continue to do, to continue to rebel against God and you do not confess it, that is the unpardonable sin. And so therefore a person who has uh, a haunting fear. If you guys have a fear that you've committed the unpardonable sin, good news. If you have that fear, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. And, um, you know, it's, it's rightfully so that we should fear that because we don't want to come to the point where we don't care about God's word or what God reveals to us. And, and that goes so further. As we're studying through these studies, there are some testing truths that God revealed to us in these studies, I'm sure for some of you. Uh, And the Holy Spirit has brought that to mind. The Holy Spirit has brought conviction to your heart. Brothers and sisters, do not reject that. Do not disregard that. Because when you do, it becomes easier to reject it again and again and again Till finally. You don't regard what God's truth was revealed to you. You just disregard it. And that can be dangerous. And so I don't want that for anybody. So let us be truthful to what the Holy Spirit reveals to us and faithfully follow through with what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Amen. It is for our own good. If you're in agreement with that, say amen or give me a thumbs up. And, uh, if that makes sense also praise the Lord. Very good. Uh, let's take a look at what are some of the gifts the Holy Spirit gives to people. Believe it or not, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to you and I, and what are those gifts? Uh, We're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. And Becky, it looks like your mic is on. Are you able to read for us?
5: Yes. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. Mm -hmm. To another, the interpretation of tongues.
0: Okay, very good. Thank you. So notice that the Holy Spirit does not give all these various gifts and abilities to one person. Right, he gives it to other one person. He gives one set of gifts. Other he gives another set of gifts. So even here in our study right now, I can say that you have certain gifts, I have certain gifts, but they're not the same gifts. Do you understand? Uh, you may have some abilities that I don't have, and vice versa. Now, it's not to pit each other against one another to say, ah, I have the better gift than you. Oh, what gift do you have? Oh, well, I can do this. It's not for that purpose. The purpose of the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings us is that God wants us to be working together as a unified unit, right? We all have a gift that we can contribute, that everyone can benefit from in the work of furthering the gospel and to further the work of God and to further his kingdom. Right. And so you, you know, there's uh, some gifts that Jeff might have that I do not have. And praise the Lord for that. You know, God, God has seen in his wisdom that Jeff should have certain set of abilities that that's better suited to him. Right. And um, I have some abilities that 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 is better suited to me. But yet we work together. Right. We work together um, with the same purpose and same um, unity of mind. Uh, to further the kingdom and give glory to God. And so the Holy Spirit designates which gifts would be appropriate for each person. And so everyone receives gifts, but not everyone receives the same gifts. Scripture often emphasizes the importance of being filled with the spirit. Uh, Jesus taught in John chapter three, verse five, that except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And, um, it's really important for us to understand how crucial it is for us to be uh, uh, born of the water and of the Spirit. Uh, born of the water speaking of baptism. Born of the Spirit is speaking of the life, the sanctified life as the Holy Spirit continues to work in our lives. And as we continue to cooperate with the, with the working of the Holy Spirit, we are living a sanctified life by the grace of God and, and through the power of the Spirit. And, um, you know, the sad thing about uh, nowadays is a lot of people misunderstand what the Holy Spirit's work is. Um, And furthermore, some people teach that the Holy Spirit, like I mentioned before, is an impersonal force. Others deny his influence in people's daily affairs. And others teach that everyone who is filled with the Holy Spirit must speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where we're going to spend some time because this is so prevalent today. Uh, there are a lot of people who believe or come to believe that, you know, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you should be able to speak in, a, in tongues. And they, they manifest this in, in very bizarre ways where people are just babbling like incoherently and acting like madmen or animals and stuff. And some of them are like, you know, lying on the floor and they're just like, you know, making all these sounds and stuff. And then people are saying, and some of them are convulsing and things like that and saying, wow, they are slain by the Holy spirit. They are filled with the Holy spirit. And then it's, it, but it's so bizarre. And, and, and you wonder, is this really from God? And yet a lot of people think it is. Um, but you know, this was a controversy, even in the early church, believe it or not, um, we see the spiritual gift of tongues was also an issue in the Corinthian church. So let's go to first Corinthians chapter 14, verse one and two. It's very important for us to understand this because God is not an author of confusion, right? God is a God of order. And, um, these, these manifestations of so-called slain in the spirit or being filled with the Holy spirit, but they're just acting really, you know, like crazy, <laughs> you know, to say the least, um, and you can't understand the thing they're saying. Um, this is this this is not from God, okay? I, I'd like to say that it is a counterfeit manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and we'll we'll see why. Uh, let's take a look at First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse one and two, and we're gonna be uh, reading. Olga, you read already, right? Just, yeah. Roger, would you read the this text here? Corinthians
3: 14, 1, and 2. 14? Hmm. Yes, 14. All right, hold on. I've got 12.
0: Okay, all right, no problem. (laughs)
3: Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit.
0: Okay. So we see in in the days of the early Christian church, the gift of tongues again became a subject of confusion and controversy. And so we have to uh, focus on what does the Bible say um, about what does the Bible teach about this spiritual gift, about this gift of speaking in tongues, because a lot of people actually say that that is, if you have that, then you really have the Holy Spirit. But if you actually look at what Paul said in the verse that, that Robert just read, it says, um, desire spiritual gifts, but, but um, that you may prophesy, right? And uh, we see that he says we should prophesy. He puts prophesy, uh, the gift of prophecy as one gift and another gift as the speaking of tongues. Okay, so we're going to see which one's more important later on. But let's take a look. How did Jesus promise to help his disciples to preach the gospel to the whole world? Jesus gave them the commission. But how did Jesus promise to help them uh, do this great task of preaching the gospel to the whole world? You see Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And we're going to have Jeff read that for us. Mark 16, 17. How did Jesus promise to help his disciples preach the gospel to the whole world?
2: And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues.
0: They will speak with new tongues. Now, pay attention to that word tongues. In the the Bible, the word tongue simply means language, uh, a, a linguistic skill. Okay, Jesus' disciples were bright men, but most were uneducated. Um, And in order to help them take the gospel to the whole world, Jesus promised to give them a supernatural gift to speak foreign languages that they had not studied or known before. So it wasn't like they went through the school of Christ and went through Rosetta Stone. (laughs) It was more like the Holy Spirit gave them that supernatural ability, right? And so they spoke with new tongues. This is what tongues mean. Tongues means uh, a language that you can understand, but it is, is, is a foreign language, right? It is something that can be understood by those who hear it uh, of that language, right? So um, that's what tongue means, simply. It simply means uh, speaking in a, in a different language. Okay, are you guys with me? Does that make sense? Are you following? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. A so, language
1: foreign to you, a language foreign a to language you. A language
0: foreign to you. Right, right. But even though I don't know Spanish or I don't know other, other languages as well, my primary language is English, although I look Korean. <laughs> I, I speak <laughs> a little Korean, but my primary language is English. Um, mm-hmm. But even if I hear someone speaking French or someone speaking Russian, I can make it out that, you know, that is a language, you know, they're, they're, they're saying things distinctly, you know. Um, they're saying things coherently. And I can still tell that, can't you? Even though I don't know what they're mm-hmm. saying, right? But mm-hmm. if somebody's like going crazy and making sounds and like go, making like just babble, mindless babble, that's, that's not speaking in tongues. That's just mindless babble. That's what it is. Um, but let's take a look at an example of how God, how Jesus, uh, allowed, the holy, allowed the disciples to speak in an unknown tongue. Um, and this took place in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 4. Uh, I, I hope you guys are really paying attention to this because a lot of people in the um, you know, different persuasions, Protestant persuasions actually believe that the, the gift of tongues is the greatest gift of all. And if you don't have it, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And there's something wrong with you. And a lot of people have been very disappointed and discouraged and wondered why didn't that happen to me? And friends, that's not biblical. And so we really need to know what the Bible says about this. We need to really uncover the truth about this. And so I hope that you benefit from what we're going to go over. Um, But what happened when the disciples received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost? Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 4. I think it's going to be Walt's turn to read. Acts 2, 1, and 4. Are you able to read that, Walt? Okay. Looking
2: not, it
4: up. Looking it up. As we looking go it kind up. Of, no worries. It's kind of running kind of slow, but
0: uh, that's okay. all right.
5: Could I, could I say something, Pastor? Yes. He's, yeah. Sure. One of the things that happened to me before is that I had been in a um, a church and somebody was speaking, and I had something happen that was supernatural in my body, and it was like, "Whoa, okay, Lord," you know. And I just I was by myself, and I just prayed. And in this man, after that had been speaking, he came up to me with his wife and they were telling me how I had received the Holy spirit and now yeah. I could speak in tongues. And this was 18 years ago now. Wow. And it was very interesting because he knew something happened to me and I knew something happened to me. And I just, I was like, okay, God, if this is you, you know, then I avail myself to you. Mm-hmm. But I remember this man and and his wife trying to, Teach me how to speak in this new tongue. Mm. We're saying, you know, just just like uh make make a noise out of your mouth, you know. And I, I was like, this is creepy. And I, I remember saying, if if God gave me that gift, you know, then He will teach me how to use that gift. And mm-hmm. I, I tell people now he never did.
2: Mm. Yes, I've been right.
5: around people who use that mm-hmm. uh and it always sounds the same to me, but like you were saying, it it certainly doesn't sound like they're talking in a language that is making sense. Right. But I, I, I hope, you know, that that testimony would be a blessing to anybody, yes. but yeah, I just remember them trying to teach me. And I'm like, if it's this gift of this spirit from God, then God will teach me. <laughs> Right. right.
0: I I really appreciate you sharing that, Becky, because, you know, a lot of people have had similar experiences like that. And um, what we're going to do by the end of the study, you're going to know whether or not that was a genuine gift of the spirit or not. Okay. When we get through the study, we're going to know what is the real test of why, whether that is the real gift of tongues or gift of the speaking in tongues or not. OK, so there's going to be okay. one big, important point that you guys are going to catch at the end of the study that determines whether or not it is of God or not. OK, so stick around. <laughs> we will get to that. But uh, are we at Acts 2, verse 1 and 4, Walt?
4: Yes. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Mm. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, and the Spirit enabled them.
0: Yes. Okay. So now here we see this took place in the upper room during the time of Pentecost. Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover, uh, and we see that. Pentecost, just like the Passover, was a very big festival. It was, a, it was a holy day that was celebrated where Jews came from all over, all over the world. right? They came to Jerusalem to come to worship. Um, and so the Holy Spirit was, was, uh, came upon the apostles in the upper room at this time. And notice that through the Spirit, God gave the disciples the gift of tongues at this time to empower them to do what? to share the gospel with the people that are coming in their own native tongue. Right. And so you'll notice that, um, how do we know that it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, them just being in the upper room and they're just babbling incoherently um, or rolling around the ground, you know, acting like they're slain by the Holy spirit (laughs) as what they many claim is, is a manifestation of. Uh, well, how do we know that th- How do we know that this is the genuine gift of the Holy Spirit? How do we know that this is the genuine gift of the tongues that the Holy Spirit gave the disciples? If you look at Acts chapter two, same chapter, verse 11, uh, let's read that. and Olga, you're going to read that for us please. How do we you know this is genuine? Okay Acts 2:11. are you there? Okay. Um, I hear your mic is active. Acts 2.11. Okay, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues The wonderful works of God. So, this is talking about all these people that came from all these different areas to this, you know, um, celebration of Pentecost. They came, and it says that these people, Cretes, Arabians, and other places all over Pamphylia and Phygra, Parthenians, all these people, Medes, and, and, and so on, right, they came and they hear the disciples preaching. And they can hear and make out what the disciples are saying in their own language, right? So, you know, some people kind of suggest that the gift of tongues is this heavenly language, right? Understood only by God and those with the gift of interpretation. But the Bible clearly teaches that the disciples and those listening, what was being preached was understood. Because of the wonderful, and they called it the wonderful works of God. Brothers and sisters, that's the genuine gift of tongues. Gift of tongues is simply speaking a language in a tongue that other people can understand. You know, we, you know, we have to make sure that we don't deviate from what the Bible um, says the gift of tongues is all about. Because the gift of tongues is simply speaking an unknown tongue to further the gospel. And so let's examine... Um, some more evidences of other instances where the speaking of tongues took place. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 and 46. Okay, um, Olga, are you there? Yeah. Okay, Acts chapter 10, verse 44 and 46. Would you mind reading that for us?
1: Okay, let me see. Uh, 44 and 46. When Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And then Acts 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God.
0: Okay, so get this. This took place when Peter went to visit Cornelius. Do you guys remember that? Cornelius, he was a Roman uh, soldier. He was of the Italian band. And while Peter, who was a Jew, spoke Aramaic, um, we see that um, Cornelius was told by an angel to seek after Peter. And of course, there were language barriers during that meeting, of course, during that time, Peter spoke Aramaic. But when the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and the members of his household, the men who accompanied Peter could understand them speaking In languages other than their native languages they heard them magnify God in these languages and when later reporting this experience to the church leaders in Jerusalem uh, Peter said that the Holy Spirit fell upon them and uh, Peter being eyewitness to that fact Cornelius and his household received the same gift of tongues as did the disciples on the day of Pentecost they spoke Languages that were able to be understood, and that's what the gift of tongues is, right so we see another instance of the gift of tongues, a genuine uh, gift of tongues where people are speaking languages that they did not know before, but the Holy Spirit gives them utterance, and so that's pretty amazing. um so let's take a look at another one uh where these, these are all in the book of Acts, of course, uh, Acts chapter nineteen verse six. And uh, Becky can read this for us. Uh, what happened when Paul preached to 12 Ephesian disciples? He was preaching to them, and then what happened to them, according to Acts 19, verse 6?
5: And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied.
0: Wow, so the Holy Spirit came upon them, and what did they do? They spoke with tongues and they prophesied Prophesy. right so so paul was the most educated and widely traveled of all the apostles and he spoke several languages himself but when the holy spirit came upon these 12 men of ephesus paul and luke could understand them prophesying in languages that they previously did not know before yeah. and so that's quite amazing that is definitely a genuine gift of tongues the Holy Spirit gave them utterance of languages that they did not know before. That's what the gift of tongues is. Nothing more or nothing less. Um, number 12 in our study guide says, what does the Bible say about speaking in a tongue that is not understood? Okay, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 9. First, now we're getting out of Acts. And we're going to 1 Corinthians 14. Nine. And Jeff is going to read this for us. A nine, yeah, First, first Corinthians 14, nine.
2: So likewise you, unless you utter by the, tongue, by the tongue words, easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air.
0: Yeah. So in other words, this is a good principle that Paul is bringing out here. He says, except you utter by the tongue words easily to be understood, right? When these people who claim that they are slain by the Spirit and they're just babbling like crazy, are people understanding what they're saying? Are they? No. 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 They don't understand. Even the people that claim that they have the gift of tongues, they don't even understand what the other people are saying when they're babbling. like. They don't
1: know what they're saying. They don't know know what what they're they're saying.
0: saying. (laughs) Exactly. That's the point. (laughs) Right? So how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. That's all they're doing. They're speaking in the air. They're speaking in the air, right? Just making sounds. It's not understood, right? Um, look at verse 19. Jeff, if you can read that against, you're there already.
2: Okay. I'm there. I'm there. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Let's switch back over. Verse 19.
0: Yes, verse 19.
2: Yeah, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, so Paul is bringing out the purpose of the speaking of tongues. He says that, you know, it's better to just speak in five words in a way, that in, in a language that everyone can understand than to speak like a whole discourse in a language that people cannot understand because people will not benefit from that, right? Because what is the whole purpose of, of speaking in tongues? What's the whole purpose of it? Is it to bring attention to yourself? Look at how I can speak this unknown tongue and nobody can understand me. Or is it to bring glory to God and to get people to, to know who God is? That's the whole purpose. And that's, this is the reason why the, the, those speaking in tongues people like in the in, in these different persuasions who say that you need to be rolling on the ground and being slain by the spirit speaking all these like making all these noises and things like that what is the attention towards when that happens who's the attention for for it's, it's for, for the, them
1: it's,
0: it's yeah. for the person there's they're saying if you're slain with the holy spirit then you're going to have that so so you have the gift of the holy spirit the focus is on that person that individual oh they have the gift the focus is not on God. The focus is not on proclaiming the gospel. The focus is not on helping people understand and pointing them to Jesus, right? The focus is on them. Oh, I'm glad I have the spirit, right? And I can speak all these like, you know, babbling voices, words and things like that. That is the counterfeit. That's a counterfeit gift of tongues. And, and, and mind you, you know, like what Becky said, there are instances where people do have some sort of like, you know, supernatural sort of feeling towards it all. But friends, remember in our previous study, we also learned that Satan can also come in and masquerade as giving a a revival or um, through supernatural means. You know, just because, and and friends, when we do these sort of things, we could be opening ourselves up to Satan to work in those things. So we got to be very careful and really go with what the Bible says about what the gift of tongues really is. The gift of tongues, as Jesus promised to the disciples, was meant for them to proclaim the gospel to the world in known to- uh, unknown tongues, new tongues, right? That, was, that would be heard by others. Um, so Paul repeatedly explains the purpose of a tongue or language is to communicate or to teach truth. That's the purpose. A Greek word for unknown is not found in any original Bible manuscripts, but was supplied by translators to indicate that the language was foreign to the majority present. The the church in Corinth was a melting pot of many different groups of people that had many different languages. And sometimes the services became confusing when people were all talking in different languages and things like that. And Paul would encourage them or command them to keep silent. If speaking in tongue was unknown to the majority, uh, unless there was somebody there to, to interpret, right? So, like, this is the way that they, they organized the church services and the way that they organized um, how people would speak, right? So, um, the lesson for us is that we should not speak or pray in a tongue that others present cannot understand because they will not be benefited by it. And so, um, I hope that makes sense but uh you know where did this uh whole different languages come from you know, you could trace it way back to genesis genesis chapter 11 verse 7 and 9 remember the tower of babel the tower of babel when they were building that tower and uh, god of course um intervened but in genesis chapter 11 verse 7 they say let it Go to, let us go down and there confound their language. This is what God is saying as he sees what they're doing. That they may not understand one another's speech. And so, therefore, it is the name of it's called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. From thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So the Tower of Babel is the place where languages of the world were first confounded. And the Hebrew word for Babel and Babylon are both Babel, both the same, same meaning. The meaning is confusion. So in Revelation 18, God calls his people out of spiritual Babylon. He says, come out of her, my people. God's people are still entrenched in a system of confusion, and God is calling them out. Right? And one of the characteristics of spiritual Babylon, did you know, is this confusion on the issue of tongues. The confusion of tongues. This is one of the teachings of Babylon. This is one of the things that Babylon uh, promotes. Right? And that is not of God. That God is a God of order, not of confusion. right? And we see that God is calling them out, all of us out of Babylon in these last days. And so um, this whole idea of like, you know, being slain by the spirit and speaking in an unknown babbling tongue and things like that, that's not of God. That the, the speaking in tongues is simply God giving you the ability to speak a language that you didn't even know before, right? And there are stories like this where missionaries go to places um, where they are, you know, nobody has touched the, this, this, uh, this island where people, natives live. And they don't know the language, but they really want to share the gospel with them. And of course, uh, somehow they speak to them and somehow the, the, the natives understand what the missionary is saying. And the missionary never knew that he didn't have time to know their language, but, but they say, we understand everything you're saying. And he says, How do you understand? Somehow the Holy Spirit gave them uh, the ability to speak their language or uh, the ability for those people to understand what he was saying. Right, and so this is going to be the genuine mm. gift of prophet, genuine gift of tongues that is going to be seen. Um, and, and it is being seen in, in, in certain uh, instances, um, that like I've mentioned. So let's take a look. How do we know it's a genuine gift of tongues? How do we know it's a genuine gift of the Holy Spirit? Um, does the Holy Spirit? fill those who deliberately break God's law? Who does God pour out his spirit? We learned we are vessels. God wants to pour his spirit upon us, right? But does God fill his Holy Spirit upon those who break God's commandments? Um, Okay, I hear no. Okay, let's take a look at John chapter 14, 15 through 17, right? John 14:15 through17. We all probably know John 14:15 by, by heart now, um, but uh, there's two other verses along with this, following John 14:15 through17. And so Roger, um, you're up next. If you could read John 14:15 through17.:
3: "If you love me, you will obey what I command." and i will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the Mm. spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you Mm -hmm
0: there's so much there in what just what Roger just read, right? Um, it says that the world cannot receive him, right? Because they don't know him or they, they don't accept what God uh, requires them to do. Right. But we know him and and God wants the Holy spirit to be in us. He wants to fill us with the Holy spirit, but he will not fill a people who deliberately break God's commandments. Right. The Holy spirit will not be given to those people. In fact, the Holy Spirit will be grieved uh, by, by those type of people. And so it's very important for us to understand that in order for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we must be in line with God's will. When we are seeking to do God's will, when we're in line with His will, and His will is expressly, um, clearly um, delineated in the Ten Commandments. And so when we when we keep His commandments because we love Him, we see that the Holy Spirit will then be poured out upon God's people. The Holy Spirit will, will abide in us. And that, friends, is, is a great reassuring thought. We want the Holy Spirit to be with us. Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 32. Acts five 32. Let's take a look there. Um, and I'll go ahead and read this just for the sake of time. It says, and and what is the purpose um, of the Holy Spirit? It says Acts 532. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. So we see the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we could witness to the Lord, witness for the Lord, but also the Holy Spirit is given to those who what?
1: obey him
0: who obey him right so there's that condition if you want to receive the holy spirit i don't know about you friends i want to receive the holy spirit in fuller measure Mm -hmm. you know in fact i've been praying every day i ask the lord to give me 10 times more of the holy spirit today than what i've received yesterday i keep praying for that because we're living in a time where we really need the holy spirit we really need to be uh, filled with the spirit And so the tremendous power of the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in those who refuse to obey God's commandments. That is the condition, and it's an important condition. And, uh, you know, we cannot live contrary to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives when we break his commandments or disregard it. Paul emphasized, you know, a lot of people put emphasis on on the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues think that that is the primary gift we should all strive to have. But Paul emphasized that we should desire which spiritual gift? He doesn't, Paul doesn't say we should desire the gift of tongues. Did you know that? Paul actually tells us what kind of gift we should desire. And this is where we need to take a look here. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5 and 6. What does the apostle Paul say we should desire which spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit will give us? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4 and 5. 1 um, Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4 and 5. And I think it's Waltz. Oh, no, Sherry's turn to read. Let's read this.
5: He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church mm-hmm. i would that ye all spake with tongues but rather that ye prophesied for greater is he that prophesied that he that speaketh with tongues except he interpret that the church may receive edifying
0: aha very good mm-hmm. so what is the gift that paul puts above speaking in tongues prophecy prophecy right he says i mm-hmm. desire that you will prophesy and he's saying for that is greater than he that speaketh with tongues. So, you know, all this emphasis about speaking in tongues, you know, that's, that's not biblical. Paul is saying that the greater gift is prophecy. I, I desire that you'd prophesy. Because he says, speaking in tongues, he says, um, okay, it says, so he that speaketh to tongues, he edifies uh, himself. If he speaks an unknown tongue, mm-hmm. he edifies himself. It's all about himself right? Yeah. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church, right? So that's a, that's a very key thing to think about. If people are rolling around in the ground and convulsing and having like a seizure and like making all these sounds, are they edifying anyone? Are they edifying anyone? I would say no. No. They're edifying themselves. It's about themselves. But Paul's saying, it's greater for us to be able to edify the church, right? When we prophesy. And this is where it gets really interesting, friends, because what is one of the main characteristics of the last day remnant church that we have to be a part of? It says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, the dragon was wroth with the woman. He went to make war on the remnant of her seed, who keep the commandments of God, right? In order to get the Holy Spirit, we need to do what? Keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. And what is the testimony of Jesus? Revelation chapter 19, verse 10 tells us that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, right? So those two things are there for God's last day remnant church. They have a genuine gift of prophecy, not the gift of tongues. Gift of prophecy is far better. And we need to strive for that gift. That is what we need to be as God's last day remnant people. First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, it says, even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. That's the whole purpose of these spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts is not to elevate ourselves, but to elevate, to edify the church, right? So these, these you, know, um, you know, gifts, the supposed speaking in tongues is focusing on, on the individual. It's not focusing on edifying the church. Um, Paul gave more greater importance to the gift of prophecy than to the gift of tongues. You know, some are now teaching that every person who is filled with the Holy Spirit will speak in tongues. But out of 25 Bible examples of God filling his people with the spirit, only three of those instances is the gift of tongues mentioned. So this is just kind of like overblowing on one little thing that is not to be overblown. This is not the focus. The focus is elsewhere. Um, and we see of the 14 New Testament books written by, by Paul, he only mentions tongues in one, 1 Corinthians. Of the 27 books in the New Testament, only three make any reference to all to speaking in, at all in speaking in tongues. So we see the focus not on speaking in tongues. The Bible's that's not the focus. But we see what is the main reason why God wants to fill his people, you and I, with his spirit. And we're wrapping it up here, but this is an important question. We don't want to glaze over it. What is the main reason why God wants to fill you with his spirit? Fill me with the spirit.
1: You can go boldly. So you can go boldly and preach the gospel.
0: Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Let's turn there. Acts chapter one, verse eight. And uh, I'll read this one. It says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. So the purpose why God wants to fill his people with his spirit is that they will be witnesses for him, right? To take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what God wants for you and me. That is our purpose. That is our reason that is the reason why god wants to fill us with his spirit and we see in acts chapter 4 verse 32 when it talks about it says and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart of one soul neither said any of them that ought the things which he possessed was his own but they had all things in common or oh, i read the wrong one verse 31 And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. God wants to fill us with his spirit to give us power to witness in these last days. And that's what he wants for each and every one of us. And so how can we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How can we receive the Holy Spirit today? In Luke chapter 11 verse 13, Jesus says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Uh, What you need to do is ask the Lord for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. Just as... Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure, we may ask God to fill our vessels to overflowing. Do you want that? How many of you guys want God to fill you with the Holy Spirit to over to the to overflowing? Give I me a do. thumbs up or, or respond. Uh, give me an affirmation. Amen. Amen. But you know what? To the degree that God can fill us with the Holy Spirit,
2: yeah.
0: is to the degree that it is proportioned to the degree that we empty. Our vessels of self, to empty our vessels from all the things of life that would prevent us, that would impede God from pouring out His Holy Spirit in us. And we need to surrender our hearts completely to Him. We need to let go of the things in our minds and our hearts that we have attachments to that are hindrances for God to pour out His Spirit in us. And so I want to ask as we're closing. Jesus is waiting and he's yearning to give you that precious gift, that precious oil of the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you as living vessels for him to for this great work in these last days. But you need to give him permission. You need to give him um, the the approval that he can take possession of your mind and heart. Thereby he can use you for his purpose. And he could fill you. With the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys would like to make that decision today and say, I'd like to surrender all to Jesus, my heart and my mind and my all for him and his service? Is that your desire today? Okay, sure. Yes, God bless you. Walt says all in. Amen, brother. <laughs> Jeff says, amen. Very good. And I see a thumbs up, Roger. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. And may we all be filled with the Holy Spirit, for that's the greatest gift that God can ever bestow upon us. And what a great gift that is. Well, let's have a word of prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, I, I agree with all the decisions that were made tonight. I, too, with them, want to surrender our hearts and minds completely to you. We want to be emptied of self and be filled with more of Christ's Spirit in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll do that work in us now. We pray that you please help us to let go of the things that we have not let go. We pray that you'll please fill us with your spirit, fill us with a love for you and a love for others. So that we can do the work, we could finish the work, and hasten your soon return. This is our desire, this is our prayer, so please use us and please abide in us until you come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us for this weekly podcast. If you like what you heard, and you would like to get more resources like this, you can check out our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash BibleVision777. We also have a Facebook page, which you can check out, facebook.com forward slash Bible Vision 777 And if you'd like to contact us for questions or inquiries or uh, special events, can contact us at biblevision777 at gmail.com. Have a blessed day.